It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome in to SEC Football and Beyond. Back again. Sorry about uh, not being here on Tuesday. Um, dealing with some things. But, uh, Neil, it's great to be back with you. And a little, little bit behind getting everybody caught up on the draft and everything else. But we're, we're going to play catch up. And we're going to get everybody up to speed. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be back. And um, glad to see you. Glad to be here. Yeah. it's uh, You know, uh, obviously – it's a time of year where people consider it "quote unquote" slow. Um, <laughs> I beg the difference, slower, maybe. But you know, as we put the draft to bed, it's um, it's kind of a a process of kind of getting ready for the all, the rest of the off season camps. As I've always said, Neil, the the draft is the beginning point. It's not the end point. It's the end point of a certain phase, and it's the beginning point of the season. And I know that I'm a little bit. Um, behind uh, this for this week and and I am going to be getting hard and heavy on this all the spring practice tapes which are all done now which is actually fine for me it works with putting it all together and we'll be breaking down all the teams and the players and in this guy the SEC and around the country of course but it is an interesting time of year in that there's still a lot going on there's the whole Aaron Rodgers situation which is going to be the topic, you know, for these hot take topic shows. That's going to be like you got to hit on it once a day. What's the latest? Did, did, did Aaron, what did Aaron eat for breakfast today? And what does that mean about, you know, where he wants to go? And, you know, is it, and it's, uh, it's, it's going to be, that's going to be the storyline that's going to captivate the entire, uh, you know, sports world this offseason. And then I think we're getting more and more where in the college fans are starting to look ahead of next year and, Started to you hear things about okay we're gonna have fans and all that now the whole NLI talk is gonna become all right how we're gonna deal with it. and there's a lot of questions and I know I've been asked a lot of questions I'm sure you have and you know a lot of what needs to be I don't know how to answer them no because we don't know what the regulations right. are gonna be and people have already said um, you know you know so so yeah based upon the answer like the uh, uh, said question what well, depends on what they rule on and and I've had this a lot had this you know well what what if a player at Georgia clearly Coca-Cola is one of the big sponsors for UGA what, what if a kid gets a deal with you know can do something with a competing you know a Pepsi or something well I, I don't know how you, I would imagine that has to be handled well it has to be handled I don't know how well they'll do it um, we'll get into to that in the, the days and weeks ahead. But, uh, yeah, a lot to get to. 
Yeah, there's a lot to get to on, on that. And that's one of those topics that people ask me a lot about. And it's legitimate. It's a fair question. I, and my answer, I know frustrates them, but it's an honest answer, which is I don't know yet. I don't I think this is something that's getting worked through by athletics departments. And it's something that's going to have a lot of trial and error as it gets started. I, the one thing I will say is I don't believe that it's going to be this windfall of cash for student athletes that I think some of them are expecting. I think there's, it's going to get used as a recruiting tool. Schools are going to say, Hey, if you come here, we have more NLI money, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think like going into the 2021 season, high profile college players. I'll go back a year. Let's go to the 2020 season. You know, is Devontae Smith going to get a lot of money from endorsements? Sure. Um, Ian Book at Notre Dame, is he going to land some stuff? Sure. Um, Mac Jones at Alabama, et cetera, et cetera. But is the backup offensive tackle at Alabama going to get an endorsement deal? Probably not. And and so that you know, is is the is the quarterback at Oklahoma going to be on on the on a billboard somewhere? Sure. Is the third string quarterback at Oklahoma going to be on the billboard somewhere? Probably not. So I, I don't, unless you do some deal like what Georgia is doing, where you say, hey, we take 75% of your money and then we disperse it evenly among the rest of, of the student athletes. Does that mean in the program or does that mean on campus? Does that mean to the gymnastics team? Does that mean to the softball team? How does all this work? And, and, and the truth is, I don't think they have the answer. And if you try to do it with any sort of a sense of equity, it's going to get so watered down that really nobody's going to make any money. It's why a lot of people ask me about um, some of the basketball development leagues. I don't know if you saw this. You know, Hoops is not your, uh, your strong suit, but I Imani Bates, who's considered the top player in the 2022 class, he's been committed to Michigan State, he backed out of that commitment recently and, quote, reopened his commitment. And, and, and his recruiting, I should say. And most people expect that he's going to follow Jalen Green and uh, Kaminga, and he's going to go into the G League for a year where they can pay him uh, five dollars $600,000 a year, and he can train with professionals, and he can be on an NBA sort of schedule and then go into the 2022 lottery and be probably the first pick in the 2022 NBA draft. I think for elite guys, you're going to see that become – the, the path because they unless the colleges back off some of what like what George is talking about and go hey look man it's whoever gets it gets it and uh, it is what it is and I, I just don't know that, that that college programs are why when I say programs I don't mean football programs I mean athletics programs I don't right. I don't know that they're wired that way yeah the one thing that I think we're going to have to watch in everybody. Let's not be naive out there. You know, um, they're going to use this in recruiting. They're going to talk about what, what we can do for you, and there's stuff that is getting done anyway. So to your point of big-time program, okay, the linemen at Alabama, the whatever. There's – I think people are familiar. They're, they're what we call jobber programs that all schools have. So they – get kids jobs in the summer and when they're not in school and or you know excuse me when they're not 
in, in football season. And a lot of them are jobs where they don't have to do a whole lot and they get paid. Um, I, 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 again, I, I, this is, I'm just throwing this out there. It, it, if, and then there's other stuff. There, you know, anybody that thinks that players, including some of those linemen, are not getting something, it might be, again, a little naive. I, I would think that there would be, for example, um, if you went to someone that, um, I don't know, car dealership, whatever, whatever, said business, sure. and said, look, you know, we got to take care of our linemen. And, you know, maybe they have the five guys there in front of a big, you know, I don't know. And I'm not a marketing guy, big tundra truck or whatever. I, I'd have a hard time believing that, that since players are kind of getting taken care of anyway, now that you open the door that you can legally do it, Who's to say that the offensive lineman at big-time school won't be able to get that? Or at least they are not more – they're not as popular. There's no question that the quarterback's going to have people falling over them. And I'm not saying that those businesses are going to necessarily want to. But some of them, you know, for part of what they get, part of being part of the the booster club and have access to this and that – Tell me how the NCAA, who can't control anything and can't regulate anything, how they're going to now regulate it once you've opened up the door. You know, once you've opened up the door to say, because now you can't say, well, wait a minute, he made an appearance for us, he gets money. So now if there's any type of money trail, you know that, uh, uh, uh-oh, that's a problem. Now there's going to be a money trail. Now you got to say this is a legal money trail. It's not, you know, I – I think I think it's going to be it's going to make the bigger programs the richer programs richer and richer by meaning the ones that have the bigger boosters that are going to have the money you're going to be able to deal with. I, I don't know what it's going to do for the gymnasts. That I, who knows they may be able to get some you know young girl may be able to get something really really good and 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 some you know I don't know soccer player can't. I, I, yeah, that part I I don't know, but I I think this is has the potential to be the, be a mess because to coordinate this and organize this and, and monitor this is I don't trust the powers that be that can't get simple things done now, the complicated. I, I, I tend to think it may be a mess, and I hope I'm wrong. No, I think it's going to be a mess, and I think the people that think that it's going to stop the recruiting underground, if you will, I think they're naive. It, all that stuff's going to continue. You're still going to have bidding wars, the same thing that you've had in years past. Teams are still going to be cutting schools. Boosters are still going to be cutting deals for kids. What this will let you do uh, once guys are on campus is it will, I think, potentially allow for student athletes to get compensated to some degree for the the, the, the monies, the revenues that they bring to universities. But I, I'm just – I'm a bit skeptical when people talk about, well, it's, it's going to be a total game changer in terms of money in pocket for everyone. I, I, don't, I don't think there's enough money for everyone to get no, no. significant money. And so you're either going to really spread it super thin or it's going to be the elite basketball players, the elite football players, right. occasionally a gymnast, occasionally a baseball player, whatever. But for the most part, you know who's going to get the money. Yeah. No, I think, no, I th- I think you're right. I just think in I just think in football and basketball, I think that the players will get the money. I think players will get money. Um, 
basically they'll get they'll make they'll make sure that they get their endorsement opportunities because that's going to be kind of part of the deal. I, 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 and I don't think they're going to be able to control that. I, meaning, you know, the, the guy on the bench, the 13th, 14th guy on the bench in, in basketball and, and backup quarterbacks. I mean, backup quarterbacks in college at a big time program or, or four or five star guys that are the next guy, yeah. they're going to say, we're, we're going to take care of those guys. And, and the big linemen, I, I, I believe they'll be taken care of. Maybe not to the degree that, you know, the great Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback, but I think they'll be taken care of. I um, look. I, I think this is the NCAA should have gotten their hand on around this a lot sooner. And and uh, you know, I I don't. I just I I have a little bit of a problem with the the whole talk about these players getting nothing, and you know, and they. Do, I don't know, Neil. I mean, I I, I don't know, and. Uh, I don't know if the daughter's on scholarship or not, or you got to put money up. But do you want to tell people that uh, how what a scholarship? I mean, it's it's not cheap, and and a, a college degree and room and board and everything is 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 worth an awful lot. The opportunity, I I just think they're getting a lot, and and I think it's fine if you want to increase it, but. I think they could have maybe done this a little bit better. This is now not going to come from the school. It's going to come from the boosters. That's the whole point. That's where it's going to make it um, a little bit more dicey to deal with. And I do think the big-time programs are going to have a plan. This is going to be like a a college version of a salary cap. We're going to work with these folks, and this is how it's going to be done, and this is who's going to get what because – I don't think that they're going to allow their, the, you know, some programs that may get out of hand, but look, and there's some kids that are just a little bit more personal, may be able to get it, get something a little bit more. I, I, I think that you're going to have some jealousy. You're going to have some difficulty. I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be more of a cumbersome thing for coaches to have to control because you're going to have guys that are a little bit, um, a little bit unhappy with their situation. What if they don't want to play in a quote-unquote meaningless game? They want to, quote, save themselves because it's a big-time bowl game. Or You know, I think there are a lot of things that could eventually come in as a result of this. But, look, it's happening. How you organize it, be, be ready out there. It's just something that you have to – you're going to have to organize. And I think the big-time programs will. And I think the rich will get richer because I don't think you're going to have – Georgia State's players, the the great player at Georgia, the best one, probably not going to get much interest on the marketing department. Whereas Georgia is gonna, they're you know, a lot of those guys, big the big linemen, everybody's gonna, there, there's going to be a way to to funnel that to them. I think. Got some questions in the thread. We can get to some of these real quick as we jump around. It'll lead us into a couple of conversations that we were planning to have. Uh, let's see. Oh, it just went away for a second. Sorry. Um, oops. See, it was about branded turnage. Here we go. Sean Jones wants to know um, from me. He wants to know: Do you think Ole Miss gives Brandon Turnage a look? Referring to the Alabama transfer, who's in the transfer portal. He's from uh, Lafayette High School here in Oxford. Um, I think they'll give him a look. I don't know that they're going to give him a scholarship. So. I don't, I don't know what Turnage's situation is. Ole Miss has added some defensive backs. They feel a lot better about that spot. Um, he's a veteran guy, but he hasn't played a lot. So I, I don't know. You know, 
I have I have some differing opinions on on this. I think it's a it's a weird message when you bring back a local kid that left you. Um, it, it it it. I don't know Brandon. This isn't about Brandon. I wouldn't know Brandon if he walked in the room. Um, I've seen him play. You didn't get him the first time. Your program wasn't in great shape. Your program's in better shape today. But if you take him, is the message that you send is, hey, go off. If it doesn't work out, we've got a landing spot for you. And maybe that is a message you want to send. Sometimes I don't think that is the message you want to send. So it's it's complicated. I don't know. I, there were some rumors that he was going to come as a, as a walk-on. I could see that. He would eat up one of your three transfer spots. Uh, they're in on a bunch of guys, so I, I, I'm a little hesitant to say that. Yeah, I think Brandon Turnage is going to end up at Ole Miss. In fact, I'd, I'd probably bet against it, but I wouldn't rule it out. But I can tell you, they have done and will do their homework. I mean, because you know they—that's what you do. I mean, you know, now whether that means, yeah, we're going to go ahead and, you know, I think that depends upon a lot of what you said. But he's—I think he's worthy of looking at. I think the kid. Sure can play somewhere I don't and you know. can get away with it when there's a previous staff that didn't get him if it's you yeah, going yeah. after him and you don't get him yeah sometimes you gotta, you have to be a little careful about saying hey you know we'll just take everybody back but listen this no this no penalty one-time transfer thing is a game changer as it pertains to strategy with transfers it's a total it's a total game changer moving forward yeah no there, there's no question about it um, grind says, no, you're not paying any players. They're getting what they're able to earn. They'll still have to produce on the field and take advantage of the NLI grind. You naive. Okay. These players are getting stuff now. Okay. They're the, the money will be, this will be used in recruiting and money will be funneled to them. Trust me to get them to come and to get them to stay. Um, that's the whole point that they're not going to go. And say, okay, you go earn a, you, you go and get your own little deal. These deals are, this, the schools are already hiring firms to help the kids basically market themselves and to do it for them. That's um, not how it works, buddy. This is, this is, they're not gonna, oh, they're gonna have to, you know, these Java programs, these booster programs, you know, for a certain amount of money, they'll be able to do this and that, and they're gonna have this. That, that, that's, going to happen it's just i'm telling you <laughs> so yeah no and, and you say an engineering students can get money through internships and still being a student but if a college decides to transfer team uh lose eligibility yeah no i get it i mean students can do that this is um this is a lot of people agree with that students can do it why can't a student who's a football player or a basketball player can do it and there's a lot of people that that agree with that but this is a, a little bit of um you know, uh, there's a lot more that goes into big-time college football recruiting and basketball recruiting than recruiting, you know, engineering students and, you know, great chemists. I mean, those those are all real important. Uh, but this is – we all know that, again, this is what's going to happen. You come here, we've got these programs, we've got the people to sponsor. And no, you can't technically say certain things, but, you know, they don't – Technically, say if you come here, we'll take it. Where, where you think these guys are? If you ever, if you ever went around a car lot uh, where these students, there's, there's a lot of good-looking cars, and trust me, mommy and daddy didn't pay for 
you know, a lot of of them. That's what it does. It just gives a license to do that more. Um, So, you know, that's it. So that just so you understand, there's there's a there's a big difference. That. I'm I'm I don't mind the kids getting paid at all. I don't mind kids getting paid a lot, frankly. I just would like for it to be above board. I'd like for it to be part of the public record, and not some of the scandalous stuff where it starts looking pretty shady. It's 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 to me, it's going to open the door for. And again, it's going to the we already see the NCAA has no investigative arm uh, an ability to do it. So what this does is, if you say well. You know, so and so is driving around with this or that, and and he's getting money. Or well, now it's like, well, yeah, he's getting money. He's got to deal with you know, Toyota or whatever. And again, I don't know what the restrictions are going to be, but that's the point. You basically are going to take the money that is coming from boosters anyway, the third party money, and now you're going to legalize them being able to give money, and now you're going to have to. In, a, in an ability with the NCAA can't even figure out whether a guy's getting money or not. Now you're going to have to figure out if the money he's getting is, you know, illegal or legal. And of course, it's going to be very easy to prove that it's quote or make it look like it's legal. So I look, they're going to get money and, and that's not, um, yeah, whether you like it, don't like it, whatever. I, I just think it's going to make it more advantageous for the ones that have the big boosters that are going to want to sponsor, that are going to tie themselves to the school and the players at it. It's absolutely, um, you know, what's, in my opinion, is going to happen in this day and age. And people go, oh, no, we've got to make sure it's above and board. What you've done is you've just taken and made it much more convoluted in my mind. All right. Uh, Jeffrey Parrott says, Chris, if you were the – general manager for the Green Bay Packers, what would you do to fix the issue with Aaron Rodgers? Well, if you, you know, were a particular GM and you really wanted to fix it, you'd step down. But let's say you well, step let's say you step in for this GM. How do you is this fixable? Well this is not the GM's issue in Green Bay. I know the the, the whole point. You're you're right. The GM is is a generic title, but Brian Gutekunst didn't make this. This is Mark Murphy, the president. This is in his lap. So Mark Murphy the answer would be, if I were there, I would hope that it would have got to this point. If I'm inheriting this now, it might be a little bit easier to get away to to get out from under it because the problem that he has is personal with Mark Murphy and maybe some other members of the Packers organization. But Brian is kind of insulated from it to some degree. Um, the 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 issue we talked a little bit about with Aaron, Aaron is a very unusual person, very, um, I don't know, right? vindictive, very, uh, very sensitive. A lot of these guys are. Got a big ego. Um, a lot of guys have that. Sees himself as, you know, he should be able to kind of dictate things a little bit like uh, along the lines of what Tom Brady has done in, in Tampa because in his mind he thinks he's every bit as good and the reason why they haven't won all those titles is because, you know, he's great but they're not good around him and you should be doing this, shouldn't be doing that, and that should be this. And I, um, There's a lot of that. Um, look, here's the – it's easy for me to say. I'm a, uh, I admit I'm a – to my fault I can be hard-headed and I can be a hard-ass in, 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 in a sense of – 
you know, you, you, you want to say, look, he's under contract. And I would, in my situation, it's hard because if I, I think I could fix this. I think you could fix this with money. I don't know that if Mark Murphy can because I think it's too personal. So it's, it's a trick question. But if I was in a situation, um, I'd probably call his bluff and let him retire. I mean, he's going to not only lose the money that he's owed, but he's going to have to give back about $30 million. I, I know he's made a lot of money. Um, and I don't know what he's done with his money, and I don't know how much he needed or wants it. You know, my, how many people raising their hands saying they want to give give up thirty million dollars? Enough for Jeff Bezos or or uh, Bill Gates or somebody. You know, you just not you just not doing that. Um, look, I think that you you got to be really careful with how you let players dictate to you. I don't believe players. Um, you know, I I grew up in an era where. Players play, coaches coach, scouts scouts, owners own. You've got to – you can't let a guy dictate to you, and this is not the NBA. I don't I mean, like the I, NBA, and I don't – I don't. And, and the NFL is getting more like that, and that's to the detriment. I'm going to play devil's advocate with you. I'll first say that I agree with you, okay? Now, let's say we're in a room, and we're in the Green Bay Packers room, and we're having a staff meeting. I might be the guy that raises my hand and says, I get it. And in principle, I agree. But what if, from a practical standpoint, this is a guy who's a grudge holder, and what if he does hold the grudge all the way into retirement? Yeah, I, I get we we win the the moral argument here, but we lose the war because we're shitty at quarterback, for lack of a better word. Do I, at that point, say, hey, should we at least entertain trade offers? Should we at least listen? Sure, should sure. we at least talk to Denver? Should we at least talk to the Raiders? Should we at least talk to the Giants? Should we make some phone calls? I mean, is, is that – I mean, I know this is going to get out. It's going to feed talk radio a little bit more. It's going to piss off Aaron, but he's already pissed off. So at some point, if you're Green Bay, I get the, the bluff. And I, for, for the record, again, I, I agree with you. He has a contract, et cetera, et cetera. I, I totally get it. But at some point, you're a football organization as well. Yeah. And, and if if he holds out and doesn't play the weekend of September, the I think it's the 12th, when the first snap gets taken and it's Green Bay versus – I, I guess the schedules are out. I don't know. Green Bay versus the 49ers on that Sunday at noon and your first snap is just a, a quarterback not named Aaron Rodgers, at that point – the stubbornness didn't help you any. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, look, here's the thing. Yeah, he's got a contract, but contracts work both ways. And you ask players to redo their deal. And now usually when you restructure the contract, sometimes you ask a player to not guys like this so much, but you ask players to take a pay cut or you're gonna let them go. And that's maybe quote unquote in people's eyes not fair either. It's just that's the way the business is and, and I get it. So I, Here's it's hard to answer the question because I would hope I would have never gotten into this situation where it got personal because you don't do sure. that. I think you have to you have to communicate. I think he's I think he's he's very childish. I mean, he doesn't talk to his brother. He doesn't talk to his mom and dad. He just he's a weird guy, and if he can get offended and hold a grudge, apparently like no other. Right. So, and again, that's not to say that Mark Murphy hasn't screwed this up because I think Mark Murphy has screwed this up and is the biggest problem. And I think 
<clears throat> the drafting last year, the quarterback was Jordan Love was, you know, I will show you. This is where and, – and to me, I don't think it was the drafting of Jordan Love, but it was the drafting of Jordan Love. And the difference is not that they drafted a quarterback, but that it was on the heels of, you know, this is what we should do, and, and what we'll show you we'll do just the opposite. And I think that's almost childish. So I think there's childish on both sides, and I wouldn't do that. What I would do is, I mean, certainly – you know, people have always asked me, and they asked me during the draft draft shows um, uh, over the weekend, last weekend, um, do you do you talk with players? Yeah, you know, you certainly talk with players about a player they may be played with or know in college. But players are not scouts. They're not coaches. They see the game differently, and you've got to do your job. But if if a quarterback believes in not, not a individual player but – that maybe there's a certain area that could really help, and he, you absolutely take all that in. You absolutely consider it, and you, but you still need to do what's best for your team, and you still need to communicate that. And I think you know reasonable people can understand. Look, we certainly want to do everything we can to put the best team around you, but we also need to get better on defense because when we won the Super Bowl with you, we had a pretty good defense that could rush the passer and get off the field, and and so we need to. We failed you by not putting a good enough team around you. So we have to do that, not just not just about a receiver, although I think they haven't addressed that well enough. So, look, I think that if you communicate it well and you do it the right way and he still acts that way, then, you know, I'm going to handle it the way I said. If I'm a part of the problem, then i got to recognize that I'm part of the problem. I need to fix it and I need to try to repair it. And so, I mean, that's how you handle it. I mean, that's the real way of how you handle it. But it's not, damn it, I'm going to put down my foot and I'm not. I just can't let any player come in and dictate his terms. I don't happy. I don't like it. I'm, I'm, you know, at some point, if he sits out, like, let's say, what are his options this year? Well, he could sit out and come in for week 10 and, you know, get his accrued season and, all that, and it could do that and mess things up and, you know, cost them some money, quite a bit of money, actually. Could he do that and mess you up? No question. So, to your point, does he have a lot of value right now in the trade market, or you betcha? And I do think if it got so bad, you need to look at it, and I said that last week, look at it mainly prior to the draft. That's when I would have done it. If if, if this would have come out and I, and I was thinking of doing it, then you could have had a windfall because, quite frankly, you could pretty much ask for whatever you want from some teams that now some may you'll have some teams that will be interested, no question. So that's how we deal with it. I mean, you got to communicate it, and if it's time to move on, to move on, you get the, the most that you can out of the player. That's your generic answer. Specifically, um, you know, it's hard to answer because I'm not involved in the process. Is there a fit that comes to mind right away? Well, I mean, I can tell you that Denver's a really good team that's a quarterback away, and I would say that they would be a contender. Now, it depends on what they'd have to give up on their current roster, including maybe a couple of impressive picks that they had in their draft. I mean, so it depends on how much they would lose. But but that's a team with Aaron Rodgers that I'm not saying that they would replace Kansas City, but they would be – right there with Kansas City, and that would be put them near the top because that Denver team's pretty good that's lacking a quarterback. And so I think that would be uh, – that's a fit 
that would make sense. And that's, I think, what he wants. I think he wants out west-ish. You know, I think, I yeah. think, I think the fiancés from Boulder, I understand, or, or wife now, I think he's married. I think they got married. Uh, Boulder area, so I think there's connection there. And I think, I think, although he did not do a good job as GM, I think Elway would really kind of help because he's a president now. He's been kicked up. I, I think that would, I think that would be something that would. Uh, that would make some sense. You know, I think he would have loved San Francisco. Um, that That's perfect. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, I think that's that's over now. That's why I said if this was going to get happen uh, with San Francisco, that was probably something that would have been needed to get done. Um, well, at least got worked on a month ago, and, and, and we should have had this deal done prior to last weekend. Blake asked about Deshaun Watson, and I haven't, I haven't kept up with this. It's I feel I feel guilty for not being able to answer this and just toss it to you. Do you think Deshaun Watson's NFL career is over? I do not know. I mean, out my quick answer would be no. Right. But I mean, I don't know what's going to come out of this criminally. I mean, what if it's you know somebody would say, well, what if he's arrested and in jail for so? Well, then, then yeah, he it is. But I I you know, I like. The reason I would just say no is he's really talented and he'll get another chance more than likely. But I really don't know. I'm just guessing because I don't know what's going to happen with this situation. Yeah, the question the, the, the question more than the, the big picture question right now is, is he the starting quarterback for the Texans in September? That's, that's even more difficult I, question. I, I would say that would be unlikely because yeah. that needs to get wrapped. This whole investigation needs to get wrapped up adjudicated somehow and he needs to be cleared of it and there's no suspension all of that needs to happen for him to be that and you know they did draft davis mills they didn't get into the top quarterback but they they obviously have got to prepare i think i'm sure they liked him but um they have a lot of needs and they said we do not have a quarterback we got to have somebody that can take a snap for us and i I, let me say this. I don't think he's going to play for the Houston Texans anymore. Yep, I don't either. Um, I don't. I talked to someone in Houston with some pretty strong NFL connections yesterday, and he said that didn't didn't see that happening, which is brings me to the draft because I think you're right. I think the Texans took Davis Mills for a very specific reason. They didn't just, hey, let's take a flyer on a quarterback. Maybe. They took one that they think has the ability to potentially play in, in, in 2021. When you look at the draft as a big picture, we would have done this on Tuesday, but we didn't do a show. I'm curious not to dive into the nuts and bolts of it necessarily, but are there, I don't know, two, three, four, five franchises that you think helped themselves more than others over the course of the entire draft, all seven rounds? You know, um, you know the grades. Obviously, I don't do because it's you don't. It's you know a few years from now. I think the teams that are good that did some good things. I thought Baltimore, as usual, did pretty good. Um, I think Buffalo helped them in a couple of spots potentially if they get some good breaks health wise. I thought Carolina did a good job again addressing and getting good value. I thought they got good value throughout. Um, and then again, even a guy like a Deontay Brown, which I understand some of the injuries, but getting him on the sixth round is really, really good value. Um, just off the the fact that, you know, they've got a quarterback and I'm excited. I think that Chicago certainly was good. Um, I thought Cleveland did some good things. 
Um, yeah, I think a number of teams. Did, I think Denver um, did did a really nice job. I like some of their value, even Stearns and Johnson, Miners, uh, and certainly Javante Williams and Sertain with going all the way up. Um, you know, Seth Williams in the sixth round. Uh, just in, and I just, I, I just thought that really good value there. So those are some that um, that I thought did some some really good things. Some didn't have. A ton of uh, picks. Some uh, got good value. The uh, the Titans took a little bit of a chance again on a on a character guy, but a fourth round guy is different than Isaiah Wilson being a bust on the first round like last year. Um, you know the Bucks were able to get a Joe Tryon, which I think helps them in terms of being able to be a pass rush guy. Don't know about Kyle Trask, but they like him. That's all that matters. Um, thought the Niners did. Uh, some uh, some good things as well, like like uh, I like the Najee Harris going to Pittsburgh, and I think they tried to address some of the issues on the offensive line. That's the key there. So yeah, I thought I thought the Jets did some did a, uh, a good job. I thought the Giants did a good job. Um, those are some that kind of jumped out at me that uh, that I thought really helped themselves. Yeah, there's a story in the Athletic today about uh, Justin Fields representing a fresh start. For the Bears, the, the question is, will it be one for Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace? Was it a good enough draft? Was it a good enough trade that the Bears hit the reset button on, on Nagy and Pace? That's that's like yeah. the debate in Chicago today. And frankly, Chris, what's interesting is if you go back to like November, and I know the Bears were a playoff team, and but they weren't a contender at all. Right. If you go back to November, the, the, the sentiment was that Nagy and Pace – it was almost over. They were pretty close to the exit door, and, and now they seem to be a little further away from that. Well, you're selling Holton now. So, you know, even – I could make a case that if Justin starts to play well and maybe even the Bears don't even – they don't even make the playoff, but you see that there's positive signs, there, there ought to be strong consideration. You know what? Things are going in the right direction, and we think the young quarterback with Matt Nagy is a good fit. And, you know, I, I could see that being, again, it's selling hope, whereas if they've not able to address it and it, it was just an awful year, then I think it was over. So I think just in the mere fact that they're able to sell hope for the future is something that they're dealing with. Now, again, I will say this, and this is important for Justin Fields or any quarterback, is, you know, the stability, having, you know – is, is Matt going to be able to get it out of them? Um, if you have to change it, it's kind of like starting over, you know, with a new coach. So I think stability is important. And, and I, I say this a lot pre-draft, and I want to say it again post-draft, that, okay, let's see which one of these teams have some stability in their coordinators and head coaches. That's going to have an awful lot to do with how you develop these players, particularly at the quarterback position, and ultimately how good those picks look down the road. Because how often – the the players look good or look bad is relative to how they're developed from here on out. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that the Bears got Fields and then spent a lot of the I guess a lot I shouldn't say a lot they spent the next two picks focused on offensive linemen to protect him to build around him they they appear to not just be kind of flying from the seat of their pants a little bit there's a plan there is there time I don't know is there are, the, are those guys good enough to to impact immediately you would know that a lot better than I would but it was pretty obvious that they 
went into the draft feeling like there was a scenario where they could get their quarterback and that their plan was if they got their quarterback was to build right around that quarterback as quickly as possible. Yeah, look, I, I like Tevin Jenkins. I mean, I think he could be a, a Morgan Moses. He, he reminds me a lot of him when he came out to UVA. Um, I mean, he's a right tackle guy, right tackle only guy. He certainly can play guard and be really good inside, but I like him as a right tackle. Helps the run game. Uh, Borum was good value in the fifth round. They obviously weren't really thrilled with – they liked the depth and they weren't really thrilled with anybody to, to, to um, you know, to, to move out of the, the second, third, and fourth. So, um, And obviously when, when you move up to go get a guy like Fields, it's going to cost you. So I think that having, you know, some missing spots there, the draft could have been – you know, it could have had a couple more pieces – of higher value, but that's what you have to give up to go and get your quarterback of the future, no doubt. I think Khalil Hilbert's really good uh, is in the sixth round. It was good value there. I think he can help him on special teams as uh, as can Daz Newsom. So we'll see if they can they can both make it. Going to have to do it on teams. We'll talk about some other gears, things in a minute. But I want to tell you first that we're brought to you by Blue Sky. They believe in being fast, fresh, and friendly through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky helps to provide customers with the fast and easy buying experience from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all, and Blue Sky wants to show their customers they care about them and their shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. And we're brought to you by Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. It's your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it there at Alpha. Alpha is the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail. It's the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility, equipment, dump, and gooseneck trailers being built today. Fully primed and powder-coated, Load Trail trailers come with an industry-leading three-year warranty and two years of roadside assistance. Alpha Specialties also has Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market. It's perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. Alpha can even work with third parties that have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. And for podcast listeners, Alpha has spare tires and wheels starting at just $100, a full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. They also do all types of truck accessories. Listeners can get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full service shop. They can repair all types of trailers at the shop, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. So give them a call at 601-932-9798 or check them out at alphaofms.com. And make sure you tell them that you heard about Alpha on the MPW Digital Network podcast, which includes SEC football and beyond. All right, Chris, there's a lot of transfer portal talk in my world. Yeah. Um, a name that popped up uh, here a little bit yesterday. I don't know whether there's anything to it or not, frankly, because it's kind of a weird time to be covering a college football program because spring's over and there's graduation and the kids go home for a couple of weeks, then they come back for summer and the summer program. So it's kind of a quasi-dead period. Mm -hmm. T.J. Finley's name popped up, the uh, LSU quarterback who's in the transfer portal. He's kind of – I've heard Texas. I've heard Alabama. I've heard Ole Miss. I've heard different schools. 
give me the scouting report on TJ Finley. Who does who does he make sense for, and what kind of a quarterback could he be at his new home whenever he picks it? He's big. Let's start there. I mean, he's huge. He's like two hundred forty-five pounds, six five and a half, six six. Uh, very raw. Got playmaking skills. Got a very live arm. Uh, the problem he had, and the reason why he lost out, is just not good decision making. You're dealing with a lot of mistakes, so you've got to get, you've got to get him under control. Um, you've got to get him to make better decisions, protect the football better. Um, but he's a he's a big big version. I mean, the only guy that that size wise, he reminds me, he reminds me a little bit of Jamarcus. I mean, he's just that you know, he's just that humongous. But he's got to he's got to calm down and settle down. I mean, the reason why Max Johnson won the job is Max played with a lot of poise when he came in. He protected the football well, and he's more mobile. Now, TJ, look, him, he's two hundred forty five pounds. So I mean, he doesn't move like a swift guy, but you know, he he ain't real fun to tackle if you're a linebacker coming up. I can tell you that he's he's, sure. he's a big guy. Um, so I, you know, he's he's a guy that I it was like a you know you know he was going into the transfer portal because he wasn't going to win the job. Now, the only issue would be is if, you know, Max gets injured and then Miles Brennan gets in and he's been kind of brittle and had injury issues, then then you could go down too. But LSU's got – and they've got Jamie Howard's kids coming in. Coming in. I mean, they got the, – the quarterback lineage in, in, uh, in, in Louisiana is really good, and I'm not even talking about Arch Manning, and that, that's not going to be an LSU, you know, situation there. But they've got – two good kids coming up. So there was really no place for him. So he's got to go find some place that he can play. Uh, and he's got physical skills. I'm not as high on him. Everybody, you know, typical, you know, everybody was bragging about him. And I, I, he was the guy that concerned me the most. I thought Brad's kid was a little bit more polished. He turned out to be the case. Miles Brennan is a good decision maker too. He just didn't, I think Max is the guy, you know, but we'll see this year. I don't know where's the good place for him. Um, I mean, anybody that need, is in need of a quarterback, which there are plenty, certainly would be interested. Um, I'd like to see him really go to a place where he can get, you know, really good coaching because he has got to learn how to play the game and see the game. And I, I thought he, I thought he was just, boy, he really struggled. Like against A and M, I mean. Just bad decisions. Um, South Carolina, Arkansas, um, Auburn, and I mean, he, he really struggled. He did not grade out very well at all last year. But doesn't mean he doesn't have physical skills. What else you got? You, I think I interrupted you. You're getting ready to start. No, on. I was just gonna mention. Let's kind of recap. People know it, but you know, SEC in the NFL draft. Alabama with 10, and you, we all know about what great that's been. Let's look at some others. And this gives you a little bit of an indication of where the personnel has been. I mean, you can have really good personnel that not all of them have to be NFL players, but it's a good indicator of kind of where they are and what they've done and what they've done it with. Arkansas, just one getting drafted. Auburn, just four. Not typical what you want out of Auburn. Uh, Florida, eight. Um, and, of course, just one, just uh, two first-round picks. Um you know about Alabama's, uh, you know, uh, first-round picks. We've been over that. Georgia just getting one first-round pick. Ojolari slipping. Great value for the Giants, by the way. Nine players taken overall. Kentucky, six. And you know with those guys coming in. But look at the defensive guys. They're all defense except one guy. The tackle, Landon Young, in the sixth round. 
talk about developing on the defensive side. If you look at Kentucky's history for like 40 years, they've had like three gut linebackers drafted. They've had like three in five years. I mean, they've really done a phenomenal six total. LSU, seven. Uh, Ole Miss, two, with Elijah and Royce Newman. Um, really thought, I was really pulling for Kenny Yaboda. I thought he was was one of those guys with late-round value, and he's in a good good situation. I hope he's got a chance. It was, it was great. Mississippi State with two. Missouri with five. South Carolina with four draft picks. Tennessee with two. That's certainly not Tennessee. Like A&M. Only four, an indicator, too, that better things are coming ahead because they've got sure. a lot of good players. And then Vanderbilt with, with, with one. So that's a look as uh, the SEC, again, kind of leads the way um, with uh, with you know, in terms of overall talent and in terms of the ability to put players in the league. We know what they can do. Michigan continues to put a lot of players in, uh, eight of them. Um, you know that uh, Ohio State it, it puts in, you know, ten so um, a total of 44. So just wanted to give – I know everybody knows that, but a little bit of a rundown. Interesting Christian Barmore, whose real negative is that he doesn't play real hard. Uh, you absolutely know that Belichick knows all about that and how Nick had to had to get the cattle prod out quite a bit with, with Christian. To go 38th overall, that's the reason why he slipped that far, folks, that, Nick, uh, that uh, Bill gets him. Um, you know, that, uh, that was interesting. Najee Harris to Pittsburgh, as I said, is a really good fit. I like Jalen Waddle, Miami, a great deal. Um, so we'll, we'll have time maybe in the incoming, you know, days and weeks when we begin to kind of go look ahead to next year. If people want to get back into some of the fits. Um, I think, I think, um, Jamin Davis can really help Washington out a lot and play some of that role. I do like Elijah Moore with the Jets. I think getting a good weapon, that's, again, part of what I thought was an impressive draft for them. So typical best recruiting um, in the SEC. You typically see, um, you know, the the best, the, the most amount of players and the, and the highest graded players coming out in the draft from the SEC, and we see it again. Um for another year, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. It's it, it, it always is revelatory to me, the draft, of just how good the league is. And then it, I think it is an absolute litmus test for where your program had, was at, slash is, and then you can evaluate it you know, moving forward as to where it's going. But you show me a program that only has one or two guys drafted and I'll show you a program that I, that mm-hmm. if in, unless that program is in rebuild mode, like both the schools in this state, you yeah. new coaches, Lane Kiffin, uh, Mike Leach. When you look at the draft, you go, well, there you go. See, sort of justifies the decision to move on and to go in a new direction. And then the guy that doesn't get enough credit and it's on people like me because we don't give it to him. You nailed it, man. The job that Stoops has done at Kentucky is remarkable. He has taken a program that for the longest time was just in the basement of the SEC. No one cared. It was, hey, get us to basketball season. He has made that program year in and year out competitive. He has made it a a perennial bowl team, and now they're producing consistently NFL players. It's it's remarkable what he's been able to do there. If he takes something, I have something that I put in, and, and, and again, I, this is what I'll be doing 
you know, now up on LandryFootball.com is, is breaking down the rosters. But I, it's something called the developmental quotient that if you take the players and how they're graded out of high school that are coming in as recruits, so people like to use the analogy, the, the, okay, how many three stars, how many four stars, how many five stars, how many two stars? You take the players that come in as, let's just say, a lot of three stars that end up being, you know, relatively high picks – you know, that just – that tells you about how well you do it. Iowa stands out for years under Kurt, and then we're seeing it in Kentucky. And and you see that a lot. Uh, and, yeah. and if you want to look at it, it also tells you about stability within a program. You just mentioned it. The the problems at Tennessee – and I know people think, well, Tennessee, Tennessee always produced. Even when they weren't, like, winning at the highest level, they always had eight guys drafted. I mean, you know, half a dozen – when you got two, and, and you know that they've recruited better, well, some of it's lack of development. Some of it's guys transferring. Some of it's the discombobulation of the – it tells you – it does – it gives you, boy, there have been a problem. You know, you can see that there's a problem. And you, you can kind of point to why they haven't been as successful on the field. And, and uh, you're absolutely right. But uh, Kentucky's done – and then you see LSU with so many guys drafted last year and then this year – Still had some, not as many drafted as high, but still had some good players. You see that it was coaching, it was like a discipline and problem. So it does tell you a little bit about, okay, who's getting it done and who's not. Because sometimes it's talent, sometimes it's coaching. It's usually a combination of both, but how much percentage-wise is one versus the other and how much it is guys that are moving on that are leaving and the lack of continuity, lack of development, you got to do a little bit more work there, but it does give you a good standpoint. Here's how they come in and here's how they leave. And usually when you come into some programs, you get better, you get worse, you never stay the same. One thing you can say about Kentucky is you get better once you get in. And that's why Alabama's the gold standard, right? I mean, everybody, because who does a better job of recruiting than anybody than Alabama? Nobody. Who does a better job of developing at any level? Nobody. I mean, that's that's why it's like, well, when is the damn guy going to retire? You know, it's like that's where everybody wants to know. When can we have our college football back? Because as we said before, college football would be pretty interesting if Alabama wasn't, you know. You know, it's like if the, the storyline wasn't can anybody beat Alabama, it would be, you know what? It's not like you'd have – a dozen teams that could win it, but you probably have five right now. It's like it's Alabama, and if Alabama falters, who the one of the other two or three? So let's talk about a couple of those teams real fast. The couple minutes we have left, yeah, because Georgia produced nine draft guys. It shows mm-hmm. you that Georgia's Georgia's right there. I mean, they're not there, but they're right there. They're they're not far. And then uh, Texas A and M. You mentioned it was a smaller number, but I think everybody agrees that, Four. that what Jimbo's building is a is a power. Jimbo was speaking to kind of a booster club sort of a deal in Houston. And people uh, <laughs> people take these things and they run with them because, A, it's slow time of year, and, B, it's, it's easy. But Jimbo was asked a question about Alabama, and he basically jokingly, again, speaking to a booster club, hey, we're going we're gonna to beat that ass. Of course, Lane Kiffin made a funny tweet about it. Said that's going to be all over the the building in in, in Tuscaloosa. It's going to not get- Lane. Lane Lane to Twitter. Gosh, hold on, let me catch my breath. <laughs> but so two things: just how close is Georgia 
I mean, Georgia was an overtime away from winning a national title. I mean, they were right there not that long ago. Um, if, if you told me a team in the SEC wins the national title and it's not Alabama this year, I immediately say it's Georgia. And then with A&M, A&M, some of their players were asked about this. They haven't backed away from it. They're like, that's the game we've got circled. It's Alabama. How close is A&M to being able to beat Alabama on a given Saturday? Not real. I mean, it's it's it can happen, but you're going to have to have a lot of circumstances. Um, that's going to be the difficulty, and that's the thing that people are going to need to understand. It's like, oh, paying ten million dollars a year. I, I, uh, it, folks, it ain't going to change unless you know Alabama comes back to the pack. So A and M's not catching Alabama unless something happens to Alabama. You take Alabama out, there's just a disastrous year, which we've not seen him ha- have, except for the first year when he's got to uh, begin to build it. Um, it's not going to happen. You know, now, could could a game? We've seen A&M. We saw A&M beat Alabama with Johnny Manziel. But can you win the, the division? For Georgia, they're still the second-best team in the league consistently. Now, you, you can we'll see if A&M can, you know. I, I still think Georgia's better now. Georgia didn't beat Florida last year. They still got a better program. They have overall better players, and we'll see if Georgia takes a step back. If they lose three out of four years to Florida, then then they kind of lose that mantle. But right now they are. They recruited a different level, and they're really good. The issue is everybody, everybody, with the exception of Dabo, doesn't get criticized because he's won two, and he hasn't been criticized yet. But I'm wondering if we go another three years and Ryan Day doesn't win a national title, they're going to start. Well, he didn't. You know, the bottom line is if you want to criticize anybody for not beating Alabama, go ahead because that's just that's everybody else. Because I mean, no one really does. I mean, you can beat Alabama, the team, on a given day, but can you win a title? Well, Clemson's done it. Um, LSU did it two years ago, but. That doesn't mean LSU's program is as good as Alabama's. It was for one year, but that's the difference. So, um, I mean, I'd ask you, whose program do you think is better, LSU's or Georgia's? Georgia's. And yet, you know, Georgia hasn't won most, and probably a lot of people would say, oh, no, Neil, LSU won a title two years ago, and Georgia hasn't. Georgia's been more consistent. So it depends on how how you want to look at it. And I do think consistency matters, and I think Georgia's there. But I can't tell you that Georgia's going to win it this year. Oh, it's their year. I don't know that. I mean, might be, might be, you know, but, and I know the pressure's going to be there. But to me, until you start, like, taking a step back, taking a step forward and beating Alabama, nobody's been able to do that consistently, with the exception of Clemson, and they've done it twice. That's pretty impressive. And we know they're going to always be there. Clemson's like a lock to be in the playoffs because, how good they are relative to who they have to play. They're a virtual lock. Yeah. It's a tougher path for Alabama to get there or Georgia to get there, or A&M to get there, or anybody from the SEC to get there because you got to win the SEC. Winning the ACC is different. Winning the Big Ten is different. But can you do it once you get there? So you, you, you evaluate Clemson or Ohio State on how they do once they get there. I think you evaluate the Alabamas – and the Georgias and the SEC teams on how they get they do in the conference, and then you got to get it done in the playoffs. But that's the difference. So 
There's a question here about uh, – it's from Doors Rules 28. He says, do we hear anything about LSU NCAA violations or has it been swept under the rug? It has not been swept under the rug. It is, uh, it is still being investigated. I anticipate that you will see at, at some point, probably fairly soon, some form of a notice of allegations as it pertains to LSU. Um, and LSU's basketball program is not th- that that is still being investigated. It has not been swept under the rug. Um, I, I just I know people lose their patience with the NCAA. It is what it is. They, they operate very slowly. Uh, COVID slowed them down. They operate slowly in the first place. But no, uh, neither one of those investigations are being swept under the rug. I, I know that is that that is the kind of the. It's a it's a fan narrative that and I understand it, but no, neither one has been swept under the rug. I, I I don't think there is, I think there is a zero chance. Here's my hot take of the day, Chris. I think there is a zero chance that LSU basketball and football escape with without without further penalty. I think there is a zero chance. Yeah, you would you would think, and I I can't. I can't ever predict a timetable. The, we no. just talked about the NCAA, the NLI, and being able to control this. This is the exact point is they yep. don't have subpoena power. The, the NCAA has to piggyback off media reports, follow up on that, and then follow up on anything that becomes like investigated like criminally where they can get, they can get information that they couldn't get otherwise. That – ties into what I said earlier. Good luck trying to control all the, the stuff that's going to happen with, with the NLI in my mind. But, yeah, I would think that there's – look, there's a lot of skeletons in the closet at LSU. It's a lot of problems. I don't know what they're going to find, how bad it's going to be, right. what they're, what they're going to prove and what they can't prove. I have no idea, and I sure as heck don't know the time frame. And, no. you know, I've been, I've been hearing it soon for a while, but – uh, I just kind of said it's going to happen when it happens, and I don't know. We're out of time. so But here's the thing, uh, Doors. There's an FBI transcript literally floating around. I realize there's an FBI transcript floating around. Here's, here's what I can tell you. I can tell you this emphatically, and I'm, I'm well-sourced on it. There's, he's referring to uh, Javante Smart and Will Wade. The, the problem is there's a transcript in which, in which Will Wade talks about a strong-ass offer to Javante Smart. Javante Smart has cooperated with the NCAA. He has cooperated completely. His family has cooperated. His coaches, everyone, they, they, the NCAA can't find that money. They, they, they can't find it. They can't find – that's why he's been able to play. That's why his eligibility has not been impacted is because the NCAA has been unable to find proof that Javante Smart got external benefits. Did he? I'm sure he did. Have they been able to find them? No, they can't. haven't. Can't prove it. And if you can't prove it, then you know I don't know. I don't know where that leaves it. I don't know. I'll, you know <laughs> the I'll stickability. Leave, yeah, I'll leave with my. We'll we'll, we'll close here. I'll, I'll be the one that leaves with the hot take. I I don't. I don't think this time next year, Ed Orgeron is the head coach at LSU. I think there's it's a very very small chance that Ed Orgeron is still the coach at LSU. In fact, if you if you wanted to make a really hot take, and this is not my hot take, if you wanted to do the really hot take, it would be. Ed Orgeron's uh, ability to finish the season as the head coach. There are some people, Chris, maybe we can tease this as we get in the next week and I'll, I'll decide how much I'm willing to talk about it. There are some people that don't believe Ed Orgeron will start the football season as the head coach at LSU. 
that they expect it to be that difficult of a summer, that um, explosive of a summer in Baton Rouge as it pertains to the football program. So we'll see. I mean, look, I, I just – but for the people I, – I, I'm not one to ever defend the NCAA here, but there are a lot of moving parts as it pertains to LSU, and, and, and it's a difficult investigation, and, and it's one that is absolutely still ongoing. Yeah, and, and without subpoena power, without the ability to do that – yeah, I'm. I'm not going to defend them either. But that's a hell of a tough job to to. Yeah. How do you do that when you can't? You don't have subpoena power. You can't do certain things. They can just say bleep you and you know. Yeah, no, it's it's part of a bigger issue that we'll get into maybe at some point of why there's this potential. You open up a Pandora's box with a lot of these things. What I think is going to be. Um, uh, NLI and all that. So, yeah. well, we covered a lot today. We did. And I really appreciate uh, everybody's nice words and sentiments. And uh, we'll hope to be back a normal week next week. And um, glad to be back. Glad to be back in a, a, a routine. So, God bless everybody. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Everybody, enjoy your weekend out there. To all the moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Hope yes, happy Mother's Day, everybody. Hope you have a great weekend. And uh, we'll be back with you on Tuesday with another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. For the great Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. Until next time, have a great weekend. Take care. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.